This is Graphically Novel, a podcast by three brothers who like each other but love comic books. I'm Jamie. I'm Sam. I'm Josh. And on this episode, we're reviewing one of my picks. One of those uh, dark, forgotten corners of the Valiant universe. Um, an, obscure, an obscure comic book for an obscure publisher. Um, but we are specifically reviewing the death-defying Dr. Mirage. And this is, I think there are, I think, four Dr. Mirage miniseries now. And they don't number them like volume one, two, three, four. So, but this is the very first Dr. Mirage story. And uh, I'm just I'm excited about it. You know, it was it's not one of the the more popular ones. Like most people have heard of like Exo Man and Warren Bloodshot, and a lot of people have heard of Harbinger or Archer Armstrong or whatever. But like nobody knows about Doctor Mirage, and it's a shame because it's a good book, and I wanted to share it with my brothers. All right. And um, <laughs> the book we were supposed to review this week was a hot steaming pile, and <laughs> I had to switch it to something good real fast. <laughs> Yeah, we're not gonna mention what that one was. No, 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 not I'm not saying the name of it. Don't wanna you know, hurt anybody's feelings. Um, but it was not good. But anyway, it's time for the live action Batman grades. This is our obscure eccentric grading scale. So it's not really obscure, is it? It's our eccentric grading scale based on the men who have thus far played Batman in live action. And from best to worst, that scale is Bell Affleck, Keaton West, Kilmer, and Clooney. Uh Sam, what is your live action Batman grade? I gotta go first and I've got two grades. Uh, we're gonna go Affleck. Just uh-huh. a good solid Affleck. I actually enjoyed it a whole bunch, and I've read it before, so I already, I already knew what I was getting into. Yeah, I've recommended this book to several people, but I smell I've never picked it for the show. I don't I don't know how quite understand how that happened. But uh right. Oh I didn't pick it either. Yeah. Josh, what's your live action Batman grade? Well, I actually dropped down one from Sam. I gave it to Keaton. It was not my favorite book. Good solid read, but I, I don't think I was enamored with it like you guys were. Well, it's a free country. You're allowed to be wrong. Yeah. Um, well, I'm going to Affleck with Sam. Um, <clears throat> I, I love this story. Uh, it's and it's a, it's a really great looking book with you know it's a it's a good story. It's got a lot of heart, and I just I really you know brings out the uh, <laughs> you know my my soft heart. You know, it's yeah. exposed on this one. Kind of, it kind of it gets you in the feels a little bit. But it does me. Maybe not Josh. Maybe, yeah, maybe not Josh. Yeah, Josh doesn't have a soft side. Just a black, shriveled heart there. <laughs> <laughs> size is too small. It's got no, it got no feels to get kicked in. Nope. <laughs> <laughs> well, our greater credits this week. Um, it's written by Jen Van Meter. And every time I read a Dr. Mirage story, I think, I'm going to look that lady's name up and see what else she's written, and I never do. Um, the artist is Roberto Della Torre. Colorist is David Barron. And the letterer is Dave Lanfear. And Travel Foreman did all the covers. And this is, of course, a Valiant uh, published book. And uh, this is the part of the show that it's safe from all that spoiler radiation. If you hear the spoiler klaxon, it is full spoilers ahead. Venture on at your own risk. Time for the bite size breakdown. All right, Sam, go. Oh, man. All right. I'll, we'll try to make this happen. <laughs> okay, hold on. Hold on. Here's the, I'm going to pull up the curtains for a second. Um, <laughs> Sam handwrites his notes 
Sam sort of famously doesn't have the best handwriting. He made these notes several days ago. He's looking at his own handwriting the way an archaeologist looks at obscure Sanskrit that's <laughs> just been discovered. <laughs> I don't remember what I wrote. This must bad. Like, I'll have to... We'll have to work through this together, okay? The face you were making was the face of Indiana Jones breaking into a <laughs> brand new tomb that never opened to human eyes before. And he's like, what is this writing? Some yeah. kind of ancient form here. <laughs> I think it's human writing. Where's <laughs> <laughs> chicken scratch? One or two. <laughs> you need All a right. decoder ring. <laughs> All right, Sam. <laughs> Decipher issue one for us. <laughs> <laughs> All right, here we go. Any minute. All right, so issue one. Dr. Mirage was hired by a group of women to talk to their dead husbands. She helps them helps them all, but isn't happy because she can't help them help. Oh, she. Wait a minute. <laughs> she's unhappy. She can help them, but she's unable to see her husband. That's what it was. <laughs> Her agent, Leo, goes to, to her house with another job, but she doesn't want to, want to do it, but needs the money and decides to go. She meets uh, Lent in March, and he wants to hire her to help fix all the damage he has done and, and to remove the spirit chain uh, around his wrist. She says no and leaves, but on her way out, she sees a, pri- sees a prisoner, but he looks otherworldly. She uh, talks to the prisoner and agrees to, to help him. She turns home and gathers supplies and opens the door to another place. I think I wrote. <laughs> Rocky awesome. Start. You, 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 you job, wrapped it up in the <laughs> <laughs> All right, Josh, issue uh, two. <laughs> so issue two opens with Linton March tied up and being beaten for info about Shan. Shan has projected her astral form to the afterlife to look for Wynn, her dead husband. There are countless domains in the afterlife, and Shan must navigate them to find the pale mistress who she thinks has her husband. We get a flashback of Shan meeting Wynn and them becoming a couple. Flashback to present, and Shan has found a breach between the afterlife and the real world where an army is waiting to invade. Ivros, the main demon, has caught scent of Shan and starts pursuing her. Back in the mortal realm, the bad guys have discovered Shan's body and go to pick her up, while in the astral realm, Shan finds some kids who offer to help her on a, uh, find her way. All right, wait, wait. Just so everybody knows, Shan and Dr. Mirage are the same person. I, I called her Dr. Mirage. I thought Dr. Mirage okay. was. Sometimes they call him the Doctor's Mirage. <clears throat> Ten- technically, they're both Dr. Mirage. Yeah. That's why I was using the first name. Yeah. But the, I, but the main character is Shan. Yeah. She is Dr. Mirage. I was just being difficult. <laughs> Technically, Sam's right. Um, okay, so I've got issue three, and uh, <laughs> I'm gonna have a hard time with mine because it's not a good breakdown, not because of the handwriting. <laughs> I just didn't do a good job. Um, I found this book really hard to do a summary on. There's a lot yeah. going on here, and it's it's it, a lot of it's otherworldly stuff. Yep. Anyway, so here's my best attempt. Uh, this issue opens on Shan telling the kids about the day she and Wynn died. She was resuscitated, and he was not. Then Ivros catches up to them, and she pulls a fast one and mercies someone out of a cage so that she can pull a fast one on Ivros. I promise it makes sense in the story. Then, once he's trapped in there, she owes him a favor, but she's free for now. 
Back in the real world, March's buddies are planning to do some real bad and real dumb stuff. Plus, they're trying to break into her house to get her body because she has went into somewhere in her astral form. Um, Shan makes her way to the pale mistress who has enslaved Wynn and turned him into a nearly comatose court minstrel. All right. Let's try this again. I could not figure out how to explain the cage. <laughs> yeah. It was a lot. To me. I could have written a whole, like, you know, anyway. That was a whole paragraph about self, but I was just like, hey, it makes sense. Trust me. It worked. All right, so issue four. Avros is still in the cage and is not happy about it. At the home of Dr. Mirage, the men have finally gotten in the house. They take her body and burn her house down. Dr. Raj makes a deal with the pale mistress to find the staff and bring it to her if she releases Wynn to her. They make the deal, and Dr. Mirage carries Wynn out. He wakes up and is happy to see her. He tells her how to use the, the suit she is wearing, and they fly to the staff and pull it out of the wall. Back on Earth, the bad guys are getting ready to sacrifice Dr. Mirage's body. Wynn and Shan go, I use them both there, Wynn and Shan, are preparing to go through the breach in the wall and see Avros is free and preparing to go through the breach also. I think I tried. <laughs> Wynn and Shan <laughs> come up with a plan to stop everybody and say goodbye forever. I think I read that one twice. Canadian form's hard to read. I get it. <laughs> French. Okay. Issue five. I'm going to try to wrap it up. There's a lot going on here. But, uh, all right. So the doctors, Mirage, have a plan. Wynn will sacrifice himself to close the breach, and Shane will go back to the mortal realm to stop the bad guys. Shane wakes up in the middle of the bad guys sacrificing her and starts beating them up. The prisoner says if Shane frees him, he will help her seal the breach from their side. Back in the astral realm, astral realm Wynn has defeated Ivros and uses his essence to seal the breach. The prisoner defeats the bad guys whose souls are now tied to March and will be haunting him for the rest of his days. Shane returns to her destroyed house and is visited by the prisoner. He asks for help righting all of the wrongs that were committed with his power and offers her a gift, Wynn's essence that he retrieved from the astral realm. Okay, before we... <clears throat> get into the pyramid. I, I I do want to say for the listeners, if you're if you're if you haven't read this book, you know one of those people that will listen to spoiler you know field reviews anyway. This this book does not sound as convoluted as we just made it. Uh, it flows really well. I mean, there's there's like still like I'm not quite sure of the geography of wherever she went in her astral form, but the story flows really well. It's just it's hard to put into a summary form. And they explain so, it way better than we do. Yeah, um, it's just hard to summarize. So if you haven't read this book and you're listening to this review um it 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 reads better than we summarized it and so it, it would really would pay to go and read it but now it's time for the graphically novel pyramid the part of the show where we evaluate the book of the week based on the three elements we believe a book has to nail to be a good book and the first of these is story and i get to go first on this and um i don't know how we know we will we'll frequently we'll make comments on which corner is the strongest corner of the pyramid and all that jazz i don't know how uh I mean, I was trying to think about that as I was introducing, like, is the story the strongest corner? I don't know. I really like the art, you know, but, but I mean, lovely. I love, you know, Shannon Wynn, you know, it's, and, the, and the prisoners, interesting guy, like, which is, the, I, I don't know. Um, 
normally when we have this much trouble figuring out which corner is the strongest, it's either because it's a garbage book or it's a flying, you know, colors bale. And so, uh, I don't know, but I think one of the things this, this book did the best story wise is the A and B plots like had, were in a great balance. Like the big overarching story about her working for Linton March and going over there and blah, 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 and the breach and all that kind of stuff worked really well. It was a good story. But at the same time, the B plot, which is about her rescuing Wynn and her depression and her sadness over losing him and just the, the constant grief she's been dealing with, both those things flowed really well, and I love the way that the uh, Gene Van Meter weaved them in and out of each other. I mean, I, I think the balance of those two plots just worked just masterfully. I agree with you, too, and I I do think the story is my favorite part of the pyramid this week. Uh, I did like how they balanced everything back and forth. They even had flashbacks all the way back to World War II, when, how, they, how they got the prisoner. That was all explained, and I really enjoyed that stuff, too, and it, and it just it all flowed so well and it all fit together perfectly. And, and they tied it. They actually had a, an end that fit. Cause a lot, a lot of times you, we get these and it's just like an ongoing thing. They ended this story well, and there's nothing I really enjoyed about it. Well, I, I think that that helps with Dr. Mirage because they don't do an ongoing story. They just yeah. do mini series after mini series. And so and sometimes, I, sometimes I, I really enjoy just, just having an end, you yeah. know, just some, like a, a stop. Yeah, this 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 did feel like a story. Like we had a beginning and an end. It it was one encapsulated story versus being some of the ongoing stuff. Uh, it, it's funny, Jamie, because you said at the breakdowns we made it sound way more convoluted than it was. My first note is I wanted like it, but it was a little too convoluted for me. <laughs> like it, I feel like they really tried to pack too much story into these five issues. I think they could have thinned a little bit out. I, I don't know you guys haven't read this in the past and then this was a reread, so you were already pretty familiar with it. But as me coming in for the first read, I thought there was too much going on and uh I think they they tried to pack too much into those five issues with two plots going on because uh, well, this is the first. And and I and I've read all of Shadow Man and all of the Punk Mambo stories, and so I'm I'm very familiar with this corner of the Valiant universe, and so I I, I don't know anything about yeah. it. So this was my first go to into it, and uh, yeah, because I was saying like, uh, it doesn't help if you speed read it and only read it once, and this this is one that really needs to be. Read more than once to, to get all the stuff. Josh, do you feel personally attacked? Not personally. <laughs> <laughs> Just like, this is one you shouldn't read quickly. But I, I, I did read it in two sets, sit downs. I didn't just power read through it. Uh, but I did only read it the one time. Uh, yep. But yeah, I feel like you shouldn't have to read a story twice to really grasp grasp it. I should well, be able to read it once and and have no, everything. Uh, I know, but I, I do. I think because this is the first time we've met Dr. Mirage. I have no idea who these people are. They go into some afterworld, astral realm. We don't even know really where they're at. Uh, and then there's two stories going on at the same time with characters. I don't know. They're doing stuff in places. I don't know. There was just a lot going on. And I think to for an introduction for Dr. Mirage, I think there was a little little too much that they tried to put in the five issues. Well, I, I will give you, I think that they don't do a good enough job explaining the geography of the land she goes to in her astral form. Because she, she says she's jumping around from place to place, and it's completely different 
you know, otherworldly areas. I don't know how they're connected. I'm not super clear how she gets from one to the other. Uh, where does the dead side begin? Where does it end? I mean, which part of the, I mean, what, what, what is that breach area? What is that part of? I mean, yeah, that, that, that part was a little confusing. I just didn't care. Yeah. Yeah. It it didn't bother me that much. Yeah. The the concept's really good and I like the characters and stuff, but I just think, yeah, they're, I think they were for, for an introduction to this world and these characters, I think they had too much story. And I agree with that too. And uh, I took it as too, that she didn't know what she was doing either. She didn't know where she was really. Yeah. And and she even explained it. Like she doesn't know how to get place to place. And that's why she had those kids helping her. So I, I took it as that they'd done it that way. They didn't really say that she didn't know. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Good point. We were supposed to be lost like her, maybe. Yeah. yeah. That's it worked. I was. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it worked for me anyways. Um, I, I love the heart of the story, too. Um, I am a little bit of a softy, um, and I just I really loved that beautiful but tragic romance between Shane and Wynn, and uh, it was really touching. Um, room never got dust or anything like that, but you know, kind of warmed the heart a little bit. I liked it. Oh, I got it. okay. Sam, you'll talk about the art. If I have to, I talk about you. <laughs> I will talk about the art. Uh, my first note I wrote down was the art is okay. It's one of those stories, just like the October factions. That's when you have to get into. You know, at first I didn't like it, but more I read it, the more it fit. Talking about the otherworldly place, the the spirit realm, or whatever it was, the astro. That art style worked really well there, and I, and I, I liked the color. Uh, the action was pretty good. It was pretty easy to follow, so I did eventually enjoy it. At first, I didn't. <laughs> I didn't like it at all. I was like, "Oh man, it's one of these." But you know, I do have a complaint, and it was with the the faces. Sound like Win and Sean, Shan, like they couldn't settle on what they were supposed to look like. I feel like they evolved all the way to the end. Hmm. Yeah, I, I got a little bit of that too. Yeah. Okay. I really, really did. But they, we still knew who they were. I mean, it wasn't like it was crazy or nothing. But you could see that they hadn't. I don't feel like they settled on what they were going to look like. But saying that, I enjoyed all the stuff in the, the spirit place thing she was at. Like all the, the, the demons and the monsters and the weird stuff. I think they killed that. I, I really did enjoy it. Uh, I, I, th- I think you, you hit the biggest thing I want to talk about with the art. You just kind of mentioned it and rushed on to complain. Um, this I artwork... <laughs> This art works really well for the story. Um, it's just a perfect fit, and it really, between the the sketchiness of the art um, and David Barron's colors on it, it does such a. I mean, it tells you like, look, you're not reading Harbinger. This is a different corner of this world from Exo Man and Warren Bloodshot. We're doing this is something different, and it's magical and it's mysterious, and um, you know, I, and it really does that. It sets it apart. It makes it feel different, and it sets that. It really just works for the magical books. Because uh, mm. I, th- I think Roberto Delatore does some Shadow Man issues later on, and it's it's the same deal. It just works so well for this different um, kind of Valiant story. And, and I think it's what took me a while to get used to it because I, I was expecting like an Exo Man of War or something like that. And then when I started reading, it's like, man, that's not what I was expecting. You know? <laughs> but then, like I said, I, I did enjoy it. But I, I mean, I, it might be just how I'm wired too, because like even on um 
like we did Doctor, that Doctor Strange book a few months back. Um, Chris Bacallo is not one of my favorite artists, and he doesn't work on a lot of superhero stories. But because he's doing Doctor Strange, and it was weird, and it was magical, having the weird art style worked. It made it feel different, you know, the the strangeness of it all. And so I, I, maybe it's just me. Like, I'll, I'll accept, like, the magical stuff better if the art is off um, or is or it has some weirdness to it. And so it, it just this art really worked for me. You like the quirky stuff. You do, because me and Sam had the same first note. It, it was okay. That's the first <laughs> thing I wrote down on the art. <laughs> yeah, it got the job done. Uh, I, I, I think I would have liked it a little better if they had made the astral plane or wherever she went when she projected. Uh, if they'd have had a little more variation. Like when you had the red, when you were with Ivros and the breach, if that had been way more vibrant, and then when they went to the Pale Princess, if that had been way more toned down and bland, just to have some contrast to show how different it is in the astral realm, how you're in a different place. I think I would have liked a little more variation in the color palette for the astral realm. Yeah, yeah, I, just can, I can see that. That might have worked. To make yeah. something stand out more, you know, because it, then it would make that landscape seem more different. But I, I think the art for me was a little bit bland. The colors didn't really pop. The the line work wasn't super crisp or sharp. It was more, like you said, Jamie, kind of a sketchy style. Uh, so I think having some some different contrast or something in the afterworld would have would have set it off a little bit. I, I think I would have bought that those are different sections she's going to. Those are different terrain. Uh, or, or if, or if even like the real world before she goes to her astral form, like was colored differently, had a different color right. to it or something. Yeah. I, I think that would have helped me yeah. buy into. Uh, she doesn't know where she's at. Everything's different. There's different rules for each area she's in. I think setting the art a little bit different for each of those areas would have would have helped me buy into that a little more. Uh, but overall, I mean, it, it was it was solid art. It was good. It wasn't bad or anything. I just I, I think it could have wowed me a little more. Um, the last thing I wanted to add on the art, it's just a little small detail, but something I really noticed and liked, I thought the character, like the costumes and the character designs were really good. And, but especially like the monsters and the other side, like, like Ivros and the pale mistress were both just incredible, uh, monster designs. And I'm guessing those were all deletory and they were really good. Mm. Especially the pale mistress. Pale mistress is real cool. And she's always evolving too. Yeah. I know we didn't that, so. All right, uh, Josh, characters, what you got? Yeah, well, that was one of the things I was going to bring up on the characters is how oh. unique they were on their design. No, it's fine. It, it, it's kind of an art note, but it was kind of a character's note, too, because not only does each character have their own personality and their own vibe, they, they look dramatically different. So, you know, I feel like there are times when you're doing like an afterworld where there's monsters, it's kind of easy to draw all the all the demons kind of the same or they all have kind of the same vibe. But I really like that each of the characters look and act differently. So I think they've done a really good job separating everybody out. And uh yeah, you gotta like Shan and Win, that relationship. I mean that that you know, if you've got a heart, it'll tug at your heartstrings, apparently. Uh, <laughs> but uh, so you've heard. So I've heard. But but yeah, you know, you, you, you could tell how much they loved each other. And then for her to lose win and then to find him only to she thinks lose him again at the very end when he seals the breach up. You know, you see you see how that affects her. And, th- and then you get the big happy ending of, of the prisoner bringing win back, you know, at least in his uh, essence. So there, there was a lot of good character moments with them. Uh, 
So I, I, I thought the characters was probably the stronger part of the pyramid for me this week. Uh, you know, you get a pretty good background in everybody. You get a lot of, of character moments to kind of see who they are and, and why they are. And you get some background on everybody. So I, I, I enjoyed that part of the pyramid, I think, more than the story or art. Um, you pretty much, I don't have anything left to add, <laughs> except I wanted to talk about the prisoner a little bit because I thought that they handled him really well because I never trusted him. Like I was always like the second he gets that, that, you know, shackle off of him. I never knew what he was going to do. Is he really going to be a good person? And even at the end of the book, like he says that he's about here because they go out and try to do some good makeup for some stuff but still like what are what are his goals like what what's his you know how does he decide what is a good thing to go do maybe that's mass murder everybody who's messed with magic stuff they need to all die i mean maybe that's what he thinks is good yeah and i don't know i just i love that like, he was a, such a wild card through the whole thing and uh i thought that worked really well even in his dialogue you know like he even made references why should you trust me you know yeah so he 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 was a really interesting character and one of the things I had in my notes was about Shan. She starts off this bitter person, and then she evolves into who you see is trying to do the right thing. And when she gets wind back, you can see she's a completely different person with wind. I like how she evolved all the way through the whole story. But, I mean, it was a really great cast, I think. I mean, all of them. Uh, Shan, Wynn, even the her agent. What's his name? Leo. Leo. Even him. He was like kind of a fatherly figure to her, wanting to help her, giving her jobs and stuff. When her house burnt down, he offered her to come let her live with him, you know. So, I mean, it, just characters on this this part of the pyramid was really good. This would be my second. Yeah, Jen, second. Jen Van Meter is really good at characterization. Like, we got a feel for who these people were, like, within a snap. I mean, it was so quick. Like, we knew who Shane was, and we liked her. We got that Wynn was this really good dude, just a really solid, awesome guy. Um, and then, you know, that Leo... We like him, but he's a bit of a nag. And the second Linton March starts opening his mouth and filling word balloons, like, this dude's awful. He's just yeah. the worst. He's the whole bag of tools. Yeah. Oh, yeah. She's, just, she's so good at that. Yeah. Yeah, the, the prisoner was good. That was one of my other notes I was going to mention if nobody else brought it up. I really I really thought he was intriguing. And uh, and I knew as soon as she set him loose, he was going to start wreaking havoc on Linton March <laughs> and the gang for, you know, holding him prisoner for so long. I was like, he's going to mess some stuff up when he gets loose. And uh, But then it, the left turn surprised me. He didn't. And he he's going to try to go back and fix some of the stuff, you know, that was done with his power. He says, I, I, I'm with you. I still, I would like to see how that plays out. But, uh, but yeah, that was, he was, he was a really good character. Uh, you didn't get a lot of background on him and you really didn't know who, who he was or what he was about, but it definitely intriguing and, and was, was fun to, to see him interact with everybody. Pretty strong pyramid. Maybe you should get an athlete, Josh. No, I'm sticking with the Keaton. <laughs> he was all right. Um, like I said, free country. Um, you want to give us more words? Yeah. Can you dig it? Can you dig it? <laughs> and these are the things we dig most. In uh, <laughs> I just copied and pasted my segue. It's going to say the October faction, voice one. <laughs> <laughs> Slacker. Uh, in the Death Defying Dr. Mirage. Um, so the first one is Best Cover. 
And I'm going to go with cover two. And I think it's on page 30. 30. Yeah. yeah, and it's the one she's uh, she's looking at. She's in the water, got her hand in the water. Of course, you know, they both drowned. Um, so that also adds a little extra, you know, emotional punch to the cover. But, you know, they're looking at each other, but they can't touch each other. So they're, both, they're both reaching across, and they're not touching each other. It's just, it, it just looks cool. I think we all had the same age. Yep. That's right. perfect. And, and I didn't see any variants. There wasn't. I didn't okay. see none. It's a, it's a really good cover. Um, I'm not a huge fan of Travel Foreman's art. Um, he did an okay run on Black Cat recently, but I mean these covers were pretty good. Covers, yeah, really I like good. I like that color. Like I said, how it's kind of vibrant and kind of pops off the page a little more. I would have liked to saw more of that in the uh, Astral Realm. Uh, Sam, best character you got? Shane, Doctor Mirage herself. Oh yeah, who's my favorite? That's who I had. I did too, but I, you know, honorable mention, the prisoner is a really fascinating guy. Mm. Uh, Josh, best panel. I was not ready. I forgot I was up next. Uh, I'm on page 43.4. And I think that was Ivros. I think it was the big demon dudes. The first time you get a good look at him, yeah, on the bottom of the page, 43. Yeah. He kind of looks like a like the predator a little bit mixed with one of the uh, Saruman's orcs. Yeah, that's a good call. He's kind of a burly looking dude. And I like how Drit on the bottom of there is just kind of not colored. It's just yeah. you know it's a strange place. Strange things are happening. It's cool. Um, mine is on page sixty six, and it's that t- top half of that page. It's that close-up of the prisoner's face. He just looks really angry and menacing there. And it's just, it's just a great panel. All right, my turn. Page 45, panel four. It's also Iros. Iros. Yeah. It's the that does look straight out, like straight out of like the two towers or something. Yeah, yeah. it really does. He's near the white hand on his face. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Ross is leading the fighting Urukai there. <laughs> yep. All right. Uh, best dialogue. I'm not going to read all this. Um, it's the uh, the Shan telling the little kids the story about her and Wynn, about when they met. Mm-hmm. And it's pages 39 through 41. It's a big stretch. Um, but my favorite part was... Uh, no, it wasn't the kids. It was when she's talking to the uh, the lady, right? The first the first lady who the the first person that leads her through um, the not dead side place. But um, <laughs> but uh, when she's talking about them being together, um, they were together in everything. So the, my last my favorite part was the last little bit, which is that we were better that way. Each of us just better than we'd been alone. And I feel like we see that because she's really you know <laughs> kind of a buzzkill <laughs> when we first meet her. <laughs> Just she's just you tell she's she's depressed and angry, but by the end when she's got to spend time with Wynn and when she's happy at the end she's just a different person and uh, I I just really liked that dialogue I mean it's like three pages worth about I mean it's a, it's a gigantic cheat yeah <laughs> well I went a different route and I picked something that was just funny and if I can figure out thing works again and it's on uh sorry. Page 11, and it's pretty much all page 11. It's when uh, 
she's talking to Leo after getting hired to uh, help those ladies with the husbands. Here it is. Uh, I said, oh, he he been trying to call her and said it's important, and you weren't answering your phone. She goes, I turned it off. It keeps it from ringing. It just made me laugh when she said that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, she was a little snarky in the first couple of pages a little bit there. I liked it. Yeah, that that, that entire conversation with her, between her and Leo was really good. She just kept zinging him. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and uh, I picked something towards the end on page 124. It's when the prisoner shows up. Uh, and I'm not going to read it all, but uh, he says, uh, I must undo where possible the evil wrought through me, even should it take another four centuries. I will at times require an agent of my own. This is what I seek from you to help me. What sort of payment would you ask? And she's like, payment? No, nah, I'm in. Whatever you need, I'm in. And I just like how quick she was to to jump in and start writing wrongs. And you can see, like you said, how negative and, and down she was at the beginning. And now here she is just jumping at the opportunity to go and set stuff right and start helping people. So I, I thought that really highlighted the change she went through through the first volume here. And that was even before that the prison revealed he was going to reunite her to win. Right. That's why I, I, thought, I felt like that made her comment even more meaningful. Exactly. I, it wasn't like she was trading her, you know, help for win or anything like, right. you know, yeah. She, yeah, I thought she that how, yeah. I thought that highlighted that she had changed. It wasn't just, she was happy to have win back. She, she had honestly grown as a person and was ready to start doing stuff again. Uh, so yeah, I thought that was pretty impactful. I think Josh, um, won that one thanks so yeah i think that was probably the right answer Good i job, shoot though. for i shoot for one a show that's that's all i ever <laughs> asked for <laughs> all right you're done we get the rest yeah pretty much <laughs> all right um our our most recent award we've added as one of our regular awards is best full page spread and i don't think there are any in this one not a single one all right so sam what was your favorite big panel uh solomon page 66 uh, panel one. It was your, also it was your your best panel. Yeah, the prisoner's face. It was really good. Yeah, that was good. Well, I picked it. That was a good one. Yeah. Uh, and mine, my favorite big panel was on page twenty one, uh, panel one, and it's the prisoner. It's the first time you see him, and you realize that March has got something creepy hiding in his basement, chained to the wall. I just a little bit of a shock. To see him there. Yeah, he doesn't look quite as menacing as he does later there. No, he looks I, more I, vulnerable there. Yeah, yes. I think to me, I was expecting, you know, the soul of a of a person. So I was expecting it to be pretty much human looking. And then I see this alien looking creature. It, it kind of was a little bit of a shock. It wasn't what I was expecting. Good one, though. Yeah. Um, okay, so mine is on page 115. And it is when the prisoner has been freed and he's, um, you know, he's been kind of hunched and shackled and, you know, crouched down and here he's, you know, able to stand up and rise and he's being transformed, uh, into his, you know, freed state, which is a dramatically different, but, um, it's a cool transformation, uh, page. And it's yeah. basically a full page, but it's got two overlaying smaller panels on it, but. Yeah, yeah, I guess that counts. Closest thing we had. <laughs> I almost picked another cover. <laughs> <laughs> I thought about it. Full page. 
I mean, we we were having to reach on that one anyway. Yeah. I wouldn't have been. I I would have enjoyed the audacity of you doing that. <laughs> <laughs> I, I really almost did. It's funny. That's a cheat I can support. Um, Josh, what's your best magical thingy? Best magical thingy. Uh, I went with Shan's house. I was. I thought that was pretty cool. You know, she's got I don't know all kinds of wards and I guess creatures and stuff from the astral realm watching her house and when she was leaving she whispered to her house no one but me house like don't let nobody else in like i thought that was pretty cool she like talks to her house and it's apparently pretty powerful like it was wreaking some havoc on those guys when they were trying to kidnap her so i thought her house was pretty cool and every time they referred to it like they were talking about how many more wards have been put on it like so when had loaded it up when it, when he when it was his house and now ever since since he's his passing she's just been throwing more and more wards on it i'm like that that's the most dangerous place to wander into. It really is. Um, so mine was just the, the pale mistress herself. Um, and my, she was a, like the whole thing, like people had stopped believing in her. So she was losing her power and all she had left was, you know, her little court and to be able to power went up to play her bone piano. Um, but my favorite part of the pale mistress was the, the look, how it kept changing, how she became these different, like magical versions of sea creatures. Even when she was like more humanoid, she had like, you know, her lower half was all like squid tentacles and stuff. I mean, it was it was a, it was wild. It was a wild look. It's really good. Yeah. I like her too. All right, so for mine, I picked uh, Shane's suit, and she when she first wore it, she didn't know how it worked. She just walked all over the place, and then when she finally got wind, he explained how it worked, and they started using it how it's supposed to be used. I, I just I thought it was cool how they used the suit in the story. Yeah, and I feel like that suit's got more tricks that we don't know about yet. Like, I got a feeling it's it's capable of a lot more. Yeah, they referenced it a lot. You want to cast this thing? Sure. <laughs> okay. Uh, I take it you're not confident in your choices. You can hear the enthusiasm, right? Yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm pretty confident in that. Okay, he was just being humble. Everybody's shaking their head no. Um, <laughs> <laughs> it's great for audio content, guys. Um, all right, so I'm, I'm first on Shan, and I'm going to go with a lady I've picked repeatedly because I think she's a great actress who hasn't gotten a lot of options. Uh, not, not a lot of big roles. And it's a Jessica Henwick. Um, she was the... Uh, oh, what's the, She's one of the Daughters of the Dragon. She was on Iron Fist. I can't remember her character's name. Oh, yeah. I don't know, yeah, I don't know who you're talking about. She had her um, own. What's that? She had her own dojo. Yeah, and I mean, she's even a cool character in the comics. I mean, but she she was really good in that show. It was not a gigantic role, but she was good. And um, she's got a small role in Star Wars. She was one of like Poe Dameron's, you know, fighter pilot people. She's she just she's really good, and I felt like she would be, you know, really get like the um the the softer emotional side of Shan. I felt like she would do a really good job with that. Uh, I'm not mad. It's good. Uh, I done opposite. I, I done opposite. I went with the. Uh... The beginning, the more grumpy pants person. I went with, I think her name's Elodie Young. She's a lecturer from the New Daredevil. Hmm. And she yeah, I'm having trouble seeing her do the reunion scenes and stuff. Yeah, I, 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 I went. I we went, do haven't seen her do it all. Yeah, so I went with the disgruntled, unhappy lady. <laughs> <laughs> we've seen her. We've seen her be disgruntled. I watched the defenders. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Oh, I was like, I, I, I thought that was really good. I just haven't seen her in much. No. I really haven't either. 
But she was good as Electra. Anyway, Josh, who's your Shane? Uh, I hate to say it, but I picked uh, Jessica Henwick too. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't want to give you credit for being smart, but yeah, that was that was. I, I like her. I think she does really well, and I would like to see her more stuff. Yeah, she's one of those people you see. You see, as if like you know, she's really good. Why isn't she doing more? Yeah. Uh, all right, Sam. Um, <laughs> we talked about this earlier, and I think we may have the same answer here. Who's your win, Mirage? All right, so I went with Will Yun Lee. He's from the Wolverine. He's the Archer guy. And then he's also on the new show. It's not new, but newish show from uh, Netflix called uh, Altered Carbon. I really think he does a really good job. Yeah, he's not bad, but that's not who you, that's not who I thought you picked. Okay. I like him. You, you juke moved me yesterday. All right. I did. Yeah. Oh, that's a sports metaphor with a, one of those ball sports that you don't know anything about? I'll explain it to you later. I ain't got wheels. I don't care. (laughs) (laughs) That sports ball throws you every time. Every Uh, time. All right, Josh, who's your win, Mirage? I think I know who you picked, and I I was tempted to go with him. uh, But I went with uh, Daniel Day Kim. That may be a little bit of a time machine pick. I think he's a little bit older than Jessica Henwick. I got the the feel in that comic that he was older than her a little bit. but yeah, we may have time machine him back some. Yeah, he he was my my first option, but I, I, with you, I'm like I, once I like kind of once I cast Jessica Henwick, I was like, that's a big age gap. I, I'm I'm like I'm with you. I'm like he's maybe like three four years older than her. Yeah, like 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 she was in college and he was like a grad student kind of kind of situation. And right, yeah, but, yeah, we got a time machine, so I wasn't too worried about it. Uh, but, but I just I I really buy him as like just a good stand-up dude i think he yeah. plays that role really well well i found a guy who's in her age range i think would be good at this and kind of looks the part henry golding uh sam was talking about snake eyes yesterday and i thought <laughs> i thought he had picked henry golding because of that yeah. um he just he really looks the part and um i haven't seen him in a lot of stuff but it looks like he would do that sort of kindness and vulnerability that, that win does yeah, I think I think I've cast him probably three or four times now, so I try not to rely too heavily on <laughs> one person. Okay, uh, me and Sam don't agree. He's cast Carl <laughs> yes, Urban a hundred yeah, times, and I've cast Andrew <laughs> <Hildreth> a thousand. <laughs> yep. Yeah. You know, Christopher Nolan basically <laughs> uses the same cast in every movie he makes. It's fine. That's true. <laughs> All right, Josh, who's your Linton March? Okay. Uh... Uh, Eric Roberts. I had two down, and I wasn't sure, but oh, I can see him. That's pretty good. Yeah, he's because yeah. he he you you'll buy him as uh, is he a bad guy? He probably is, but he might not be. Like he he plays that kind of a little bit ambiguous at first, but then when he turns out to be you know bag of tools, like you like to say, Jamie. <laughs> I think Eric Roberts can play a bag of tools, like, and he does sleazy and unsavory really well. Yeah. And I felt he was about the right age because I got the yeah. idea Linton March was a little bit older because he references doing stuff in the 70s. So I, I thought he was in the right age range, too. That's really good. You may have stolen this one. Um, well, I've got a good one. I don't know if it's that good, but I, I went with Ben Mendelsohn. He was in Rogue One. He was the the head Empire guy uh, in oh, Rogue yeah. One. He, yeah. was the, he was the main bad guy in Ready Player One. Uh, he just does, you know... He does skeezy really well. Like, just really unlikable. 
you know, got a little bit of a punchable face too. And I feel like you know Linton March needs to have a punchable face. Yeah. But you're not gonna like my pick, man. Why? Because I went one on the thing that he was a bad guy that is trying to do good now. He's trying to stop the bad people. That, that, that was his goal. He wanted to to stop them other guys that was in the cult or whatever they were doing. So I picked somebody I thought could do a little bit of everything, a really good actor, Paul Bettany. Paul Bettany can do about anything. Yeah, right. I, I, I think he could. And I was thinking, not say Time Machine, but kind of the character he played in the Knight's Tale. See, I think I think you and I got a different vibe from Linton March. I didn't think he was up to anything good. I thought he was up to like what he was trying what he was trying to do with the prisoner was not going to be for like any anything good. I, I really think he did. That's he why he hired Shan is because I think he was trying to stop them guys. I thought he was just trying to get out of the deal with them and basically yeah. be able to go do bad stuff on his own and not have I mean, to check possible. with them. <laughs> yeah. he, when you vision a chance to prove his wrong. <laughs> Uh, all right next one i went with pure voice um a uh, voice actor i'm assuming the prisoner would be cgi'd but the guy i picked could could do could do a makeup you know uh version of it too uh mark strong yeah that that voice would be really good for the prisoner that's pretty good oh i want a different route and you, you can i picked a bald guy because prisoner's bald we, we can not CGI much, uh, but does have a unique voice, and it's Vin Diesel. I, I kept flashing back to uh, Pitch Black when he's doing his monotone in the beginning, that kind of voice. Yeah. yeah. No, I'm on that's board with that. That's not terrible. Yeah. Yeah. He wouldn't do this smaller role anymore, though. It had, he had to have to change the name. Like the prisoner and Doctor Mirage or something. Uh, <laughs> he, he plays Groot, which is yeah. literally three words. <laughs> so yeah, but he only says three words. I'm just saying. Yeah, and okay. it's Marvel. He knows how much yeah, they pay you to say yeah, three yeah. words. <laughs> All right, Josh, who's your prisoner? Uh, he's already been mentioned once on the show. Uh, I'm going Paul Bettany. I'm I'm more in the up the same alley with this one. I, I was picturing more of a deep, gravelly, sort of yeah. menacing voice. Yeah. Well, he says at one point he's basically a historian, uh, a librarian or whatever. Yeah, he's basically a librarian or historian. So I was going a little more cultivated. Uh, you saying Vin Diesel's not? <laughs> I didn't say that. <laughs> <laughs> Don't put words in my mouth. But I'm saying <laughs> when you're going for sophisticated, Vin Diesel is usually not the first pick. I'll say I that. mean, Fast and Furious, like I think about. Yeah. <laughs> Moving he's, on. He's got lifetime cool points for being bloodshot, though. I mean, oh yeah. It wasn't a great movie, but he got to be bloodshot. I mean, that's awesome. Yeah. Uh, uh Sam, who's your uh Ivros? Ivros, I don't know. How you Ivros, and the only person I can think of. This is supposed to be the leader of the bad. Fancy Brown. That's the Kurgan. How do you go wrong with that? That's the right answer. It's who I've got to. Yeah, that is the right answer. You think other than that, Josh is wrong? Yeah, I'm pulling up second. At least I'm not third this week, though. On this <laughs> one. I'll take second. Uh, I got uh, Gerard Butler. 
I figure okay. if we're just going to put him in a suit, he's a big he's a big dude. He's got a good gravelly voice, you know. He's nice. Yeah. Yeah. It's not terrible. It's an all right second. Yeah. yeah. Clancy Brown though is just that iconic voice, man. It's iconic. It's, yeah. It really is. I, uh, me and the me and the girls watched uh, Thor Ragnarok yesterday. I had forgotten he was Surtur. I'm like, that's right. It's Clancy Brown. Yeah. It's awesome. He does such a good bad guy's voice. Uh, you ever heard him do Lex Luthor? I think he was Lex Luthor for a while on the DC animated stuff. Mm-hmm. Oh, I might have. Yeah. Yeah. He did a good job. I, I didn't expect, like, he's not who I would have thought first for Lex Luthor. He did a good job. Um, <laughs> This is not the Clancy Brown podcast. Sorry, guys. Uh, <laughs> Josh, who's your wild card? All right. So I cast uh, for Leo, the assistant helper getting her jobs. I got the feel he may have been a cop, like a retired cop or something. I don't know. I was, I was getting a vibe from him, but uh, I'm going with uh, Gary Oldman. I thought about kind of fatherly yeah. figure, but also giving good advice, you know, easy to deal with kind of dude. I don't know. He's, he's the chameleon. He'll, he'll, he'd make that real work. All right. Well, I was fascinated with the pale mistress. And so I wanted to cast somebody for her. And there is a lady who it just seems kind of otherworldly herself. And it's not who you think. Um, I'm going to go with Elizabeth Debicki. Uh, she's really tall and slender. And um, I just feel like, I mean, when, she, when she's played like the, uh, what's her character in Guardians? She was the gold lady. Like she, she, she was believably alien. Yeah, she's and, yeah, and then when she was in, um, I'm blanking on names, uh, the third Cloverfield movie, the one they put straight to Netflix. Paradox. Paradox, yeah. Did you watch that? Uh, no, I just knew what it was. Okay, it's not an awesome movie. It's pretty good. I mean, it's a sh- it, it, it suffers because I had to follow 10 Cloverfield Lane. But she's in it, and she, like, is, you know, is, is being, like, I don't want to spoil the plot, because I actually want you to watch it. Um, but she's she's being suspicious and she's being strange and she's so good at that that I, I kind of thought like man this pale mistress she's otherworldly I thought yeah Debicki be good at that. Well, you know what's funny? I couldn't decide who I want to do for my wild card and I actually cast for Leo and the pale mistress. So, <laughs> okay, who you got? All right, so for Leo, I have Jack Coleman. He played Noah Bennett from The Heroes. The okay, original yeah. season of Heroes, the horn yeah. glasses. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I thought he'd be really good, Leo. Yeah, that's not bad. And then for the Pell Mistress, I kept I kept flashing back to the Beowulf cartoon they done not too long ago. Angelina Jolie, when she was the Golden Lady. To the the, I just thought it would be pretty cool seeing Angelina Jolie as the Pell Lady. Well, Sam, you're officially you're officially old now because that was a lot more than not too long ago. I know. I still said. <laughs> it's okay. it's been more than a decade ago, I'm sure. Yeah, yeah. it has. Yeah. No, I'm old too. I was thinking the same thing. Like, wait a second, because you first said not too long ago. I'm like, yeah, that wasn't. I'm like, now hold on. <laughs> Let me <do> quick <laughs> math. <laughs> no, I mean, that's not bad. I mean, she she's good at that kind of thing. Yeah. And I was just thinking for voice too. So. Any directors? I didn't go that far. Okay. Maybe like a Sam Raimi? That'd, like more... That'd probably be pretty good, yeah. Or M. Not? That's not terrible, yeah. M. Not, yeah. yeah. I'm thinking like um, 
like with when with Raimi was doing like <laughs> with about fifteen dollars. I got him an Army of Darkness look, and it had that that kind of different vibe to it. I could see him doing because there's some funny moments in here too. I could see Raimi having fun with that. All right, well, um, I think we're done with uh, Doctor Mirage now, but it's time for our network promo. And this week on Nerds in a Half Shell, we've got uh, our the second issue. Our, I think seventh episode. I'm not sure. Um, math is hard. Um, but the second issue of the, the IDW Tur- Turtle series is going to be reviewed on that. Um, and on Nerds of the Round Table, this week is our news episode. It's uh, posted on Monday. And then um, we previewed it there, but also I want to mention it here too. Um, we're beginning Spielberg month. And so every episode in July will be a Spielberg-directed movie. And so we're doing a, a full-on theme month there. And then on Zafram, we're covering Sweet Tooth issues 15 and 16. And so, Sam, why don't you preview our next pick for this show? Well, you know, I'm having technical difficulties for uh, some Audrey's. Uh, do, you want me to read, do you want me to read it for you? Yeah, because yeah, I'm trying to pull it up. And I'm okay, to yeah. Give me just a second. I got it. Okay, we are going to be reviewing The Amazing Spider-Man by Nick Spencer, Volume 1, Back to Basics. And here is the comicsology summary. It's a new beginning for The Amazing Spider-Man. Peter Parker's life is turned upside down when a revelation... Did you all hear the Fresh Prince theme song start in your heads there? <laughs> got flipped, turned upside down? Anyway, when a revelation from the past puts his job, relationships, and whole life in jeopardy, and as if that's not enough, Spidey must deal with an alien invasion with a mystery, mysterious twist. A new roommate who's secretly the villainous boomerang. New wrinkles in his love life and a dangerous new enemy. But are you ready for Peter Parker versus Spider-Man? Someone out there is impersonating Peter, but why? Be here as Nick Spencer and Ryan Otley kick off a brand new era in Spider-Man's life. All right, I'm excited. Sounds like there's a lot going on in that one. I can't wait to talk about it with you guys. I, I've read this before. Well, this will this will this will be a fun episode to review. Wait, I haven't read it yet. Yeah. Right, well, uh, before we salute, I've I've been <laughs> something was pointed out to me. I say goodbye Belgium at the end of every episode, and uh, we stopped explaining why that is uh, a long time ago. Because uh, when we first started the show, we realized that we were for reasons that <laughs> have never made any sense to us. We've got a lot of international listeners. A disproportionate amount of our <laughs> for our audience is for, is international and so we did a contest early on to see like who whoever was leading that week like which which, for, which international country had the most you know downloads we would you know give them a shout out as they went out it's been belgium for about two years <laughs> <laughs> for, for whatever reason we're big in belgium and so that's why i say goodbye belgium as our sound sound off they're they're the you know grand champions of this contest <laughs> and i don't expect anybody to ever catch them i think everybody else is t- tapped out like we're done yeah. now we still have you know you know several oh, international yeah. you know ones that pop up but nobody's catching belgium so belgium we love you we don't know how you found us we don't know why you like us but we're glad you're still listening keep it up all right well uh fellas i think we're done here salute see ya good night goodbye belgium